What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Japan on Film Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine. So, it's uh, it's been a minute. Um, a lot has happened uh, since I last spoke to you guys. It seems the entire world is on fire lately. Um, over here in Kagoshima, I'm recording this on uh, July 4th, actually. Um, the, the intro, anyway. Uh, we've seen uh, a big spike in coronavirus cases uh, down here. Apparently, uh, some there were some infected people or someone infected went to a bar out here. And uh, so, yeah, there's been a huge spike in cases. And that goes along with uh, kind of a national trend where we've seen spikes in other parts of the country as well. Tokyo's now up to over, I think like over a hundred new cases uh, today it was, or yesterday. So, um, yeah, this is, uh, it's serious, and I know over there in, in America, you know, it's gotten ridiculous, and I think that I heard somewhere that they're talking about might approach a hundred thousand cases soon, uh, might be reaching that milestone, so... Uh, so anyway, those of you who are in parts of the world where you've been smart about this and, you know, you've managed to contain the virus, uh, good for you. I, I don't blame you at all for locking people from America out. Um, you might want to consider doing the same to people from Japan at the rate we're going to. Um, but all that being said, uh, those of you who are in countries where there are still, where coronavirus is still a problem, I just wanted to say, please be careful and, um... You know, wear your mask if you have to go outside. Try to limit your exposure as much as possible. And just, you know, look out for yourself. Look out for your family and look out for each other. Um, anyway, 
with all that being said, uh, we're back with a new season of Japan on Film. Uh, I put out a call, actually, for um, a bunch of uh, for new guests to come on, um, just so I didn't have to put a burden on uh, the recurring guest host, and just to get some you know more variety coming on the show. Uh, no offense to those who have been on the show multiple times, I'm definitely going to have them back uh, next season, probably. But uh, this season, we've got all new voices, and that's because my, uh, my call for uh, guests was met with an overwhelming response. I got a bunch of people emailing me. And, um, in fact, uh, a little quirk with my, uh, with my website is, for some reason, Gmail thought that the contact form, uh, email, emails that come in through the contact form off the site were spam. So I had all these requests for guests in my, in my junk folder that I didn't read for, like, a month. So I finally managed to, to go through them. And I think I mentioned this on the show. I finally, finally managed to go through them and get in touch with everybody, and I think almost everybody got back to me. I think there's like one or two who I'm still waiting to hear from, so I'll probably reach out to them again. Um, but yeah, it was it was remarkable. I was really glad that we had so many people come in, and from a variety of backgrounds. Like this season, we've got some academics coming on the show, uh, some other podcast hosts, some students, so a uh, really diverse group of people coming on in, in this um, in this season. So I'm really excited for you to listen to the episodes. I've actually already finished recording all the interviews and everything, and I'm just now starting to release the episodes. So some really amazing stuff coming out in the pike. And uh, that, that begins right here. Uh, in this episode, I had um, uh, Ken Miyagi from the ongaku to You podcast. He was the first one who had gotten back to me after I sent out my responses. So he was the first one I scheduled an interview with. And uh, um, and Ken's request was based off the, the, the page where I have all the movies that I'm looking to cover at some point. He wanted to talk about Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, which I know might seem like a, a strange choice, but, you know, it is a Japanese movie. It started out, it was originally made in Japan, uh, made with an all-Japanese voice cast at first, based on a video game that originated in Japan and was later localized for the U.S. and for other international markets. Um, so yeah, I consider it a legitimate Japanese movie. And also, you know, I'm a little bit biased too, because Final Fantasy VII was a very defining game for my life. Like, that game and um, X-Men comics, that basically defined my teenage years. That That was pretty much it for me. So... I was really excited to have Ken come on and talk about it. So, and you'll notice this is a this is a shorter episode than usual. Um, I mean, and that's in part because there's not a whole lot of deep analysis to do with a movie about uh, Final Fantasy VII. So, um, but you know, we still had fun talking about it and going back and forth. And one of the interesting things that uh, Ken brought to my attention is that there's a longer cut of this movie, which I had never known about it. That had come out after I'd already moved to Japan, so I had never heard about that. So he talks about some of the differences between the the original cut and the extended cut, which are uh, pretty cool, and I'm going to have to track that down at some point as well. Uh, so that about does it here. Uh, thanks for listening, and glad you're back for uh, the new season, and hope you enjoy this episode, and I'll talk to you briefly on the back end. Welcome to Japan on Film. I am your host, Perry Constantine, and we're back with the uh, first episode of Season 5. Got a bunch of uh, new guests who are coming on uh, this season, and uh, the first of those is Ken from the Ongaku to You podcast. Ken, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, so I wanted you to uh, take some time and tell us a little bit about yourself. 
So my name is Ken. I am part of a Japanese music industry podcast called Ongaku Do You. Uh, we mostly break down what's the latest news and pretty much talk about the latest hits in the Japanese music industry. May that be rock, anime, any sorts of theme songs like that. We usually try and cover it. We actually just did a very big podcast going over the lovely group called Triple I'm not too sure if you know about them, but they... No, I'm not, I'm not very familiar with uh, Japanese music as much as I am film, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> not a problem, not a problem. And that's what um, our podcast is basically used for. We used to introduce various new artists. We do a thing called the Music Corner where we introduce a new artist every other week or every week and try to at least get their name out. And one of them is actually a very big indie band that got signed to Sony Music. And their about page is actually from our site. So it's, oh, it's cool. pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, now, looking at your name, I can tell you, like you told me you're in Hawaii, correct? Yes, um, yes. But uh, your name is a, a Japanese is a Japanese name. So are you originally from Japan or are you just of Japanese descent? I'm of Japanese descent. I am a first generation. Okay, so um, what was your history then with uh, Japanese movies? Uh, I imagine maybe something from like your, your parents or something like that growing up. Yes, from my father. He is actually a huge Tokusatsu fan. So I grew up watching all the Godzilla movies, a lot of Kamen Rider and Power Rangers or Super Sentai as it is in Japan. So mm -hmm. I grew up with a lot of Tokusatsu and a lot of samurai films. And I grew up with, I grew up, there, there was a very famous, famous samurai series that that ran back in the 90s and it ran for a very long time i'm like the name of it kind of escapes me as as of right now but it probably grew up with my my loving of japanese film and a, a lot of television honestly a lot of my thing is a lot of film and animated films mm -hmm. which we'll we'll talk more about later on <laughs> right right yeah okay so you came from more the so you, you actually came from a place that a lot of people uh do tend to come in i noticed from um from america especially I, I seem to notice people who grew up like on the on the west coast or in hawaii uh because they they tend to have a lot more access to the the tokusatsu stuff being brought over from uh, the immigrant communities over there Yes, yes, yes. There's actually a lot of toy shops that still sells those straight from Japan kind of items. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and so your parents are, are from Japan then? Uh, whereabouts in Japan are they from? Uh, actually, uh, from Miyagi Prefecture. So it's oh, okay. funny. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, good, good name for it then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so today we're talking about uh, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Now, I was really kind of, I was kind of, it, really excited that you would uh, pick this because Final Fantasy VII Remake had just come out like uh, fairly recently, and like I bought it, like I pre-ordered it, had it preloaded, and just as soon as it dropped, I was playing it all day nonstop for like a week straight. And uh, so how about you? What was your association with uh, Final Fantasy VII? Were you a fan of it going in um, back in the, back in the, back when the game came out in the original PlayStation? So I am actually a very big Final Fantasy fan. Okay, <laughs> so great. My, my history with the series actually started from eight. And then 
after eight, I did seven, and I really did like seven. I played, I played it only once, but I did like the world building mm-hmm. that it built off of it. So I did like Crisis Core and Dirge of Cerberus, a lot of the side projects that boomed from seven. Yeah, I actually found a lot more knowledgeable about than the game itself. Yeah, yeah. the The original game, it I had I had replayed it because. Like Final Fantasy VII was was my intro into RPGs, and, and I do notice that people who come in with either like Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy VIII, like that, te- whatever their first game was, or even Final Fantasy VI, like that's the one that they tend to lean more heavily towards. Yes, and, <laughs> and for me, that was that was definitely seven. Like I had played it at um, in junior high school. I had a friend who invited me over one day, and he's like, "You've ever played Final Fantasy VII?" I'm like, "No, what's that?" So. He had me play the first the the fir- the reactor part, and after that, I was I was hooked on it and begged my parents for a PlayStation until they finally caved and got it. <laughs> and I that know that game, feeling all too well. <laughs> yeah, and that game, you know, that game like occupied pretty much all of my junior high and most of high school life. Uh, just like playing the game, replaying it over and over again, and getting involved in like the online community and fan fiction and all that fun stuff back in the day. So um, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. When this came out, um, I was I was really excited. I, you know, I think because I, if I'm remembering correctly, um, you know, we're going back like almost 20 years now. But my memory of it is, if I'm remembering correctly, it was like they they had actually released it in Japan first, and it was like actually a month or two later before they released it in America. Because I remember having to de- watch a bootleg version of it with sub uh, a bootleg subtitled version first before the American release came out. Uh, yeah, it, it had some wonky translations from my memory of it, at least. Yeah, I remember there's the one part in the movie um, when uh, after the Turks rescue Cloud and bring him back to Tifa and him and Tifa talk before he goes off to the, the Forgotten City. She, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, in the there's this one part where she uses a Japanese onomatopoeia. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. That. And the the translator who had uh, this fan translation, they didn't know how to translate it, so they just described what the sound was supposed to be. And then in the English yeah. dub, um, she she says "dilly dally shilly shally." Yeah, it's a it's a very infamous line in the yeah. community. <laughs> it's it's very interesting. So with with this movie, there's there's two versions actually. So there's Advent Children and then mm-hmm. Advent Children Complete. I'm not too sure if which version you watch. Now but I did. Yeah, I had, I was I was literally just reading about this, just like you know, gathering some references last minute before the show. And I had literally this is the first time I've actually heard about this that they've added like an extra 25 minutes of of scenes, and they um they had went back and they had improved some of the visuals throughout it, uh, and some of the audio was improved as well. But I had no idea about this. And in fact, it came out like, you know, uh, over 10 years ago, this Advent Children Complete. So I'm completely shocked that I'd never heard of this before. Yeah. So what's interesting about Advent Children Complete on the translation side is they fixed a lot of the mistranslations or random Englishizations of Mm -hmm. certain phrases. So like for example Catsith for he, in the american version he speaks with an irish accent it's like yeah it's like this weird like very very thick irish or scottish accent 
Yeah, and so the subtitles put that in there, and it made no sense to me. And then I it clicked that I totally forgot that in the English version they put like a very heavy Scottish or Irish accent mm-hmm. in it, and then it clicked. But in Advent Children Complete, they fixed it and they just got rid of the accent completely. Oh, okay. And, for the subtitles at least so it mm-hmm. makes more sense and they fixed a lot of things they, they didn't fix dilly dally shilly shally though <laughs> <laughs> but they fixed a couple other things that was really translated weird mm-hmm. okay all right yeah so um what was your memory of uh the first time you watched this i imagine because you were a fan final fantasy fan as well like you probably got this when it came out like me <laughs> yeah so i remember there, there's a store that I grew up when when I was a child, when I was a kid, and they used to sell all these, all these bootlegged Chinese subtitled or dubbed into English mm-hmm. versions of Japanese movies. And mm-hmm. honestly, that was my first watch of it, and just in awe because I'm like, oh my goodness, I get to f- finally see Final Fantasy VII in like a really good CGI movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And me and my friend, we would go there almost every other week. And the guy was kept on saying, no, not this week. Oh, it'll come. It'll come. It'll come. And we finally got it. We rushed home and we watched it and we were just blown away by the graphics. Cause during this time, nothing kind of looked like that. Very, no. Yeah. Very, very CGI, very, very good graphics. And it, it holds very well for being, a 10 to 15 year movie yeah i mean there there's it looks a little bit um it in retrospect like after having played remake and seeing just like how how amazing the visuals were in that like the faces do the skin does seem a little bit more plastic as i'm looking at at it now it's a little bit too smooth um but other than that yeah it does hold up pretty well and one of the things I especially really liked is the the action in this is just amazing. Oh, it's oh, exactly yeah. what it... Because you're always wondering when you're playing these games and then you find out that they're going to be making a, a live action action version of it or a, an animated version or whatever. But you're you're always wondering, how are they going to be able to translate all that? Yeah. And and I thought... the One of the, the things I loved was, first off, giving Cloud a whole collection of swords right in his bike. Oh, yeah. Like that... <laughs> When that happened, I, I almost, I like jumped out of my seat and cheered. Like, I thought that was such a great way to, to show off the whole like Omni slash pop, uh, ultimate break, limit break. Yeah. That, and, it was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great way of doing it. Um, and uh, yeah, like you, I, I watched it. Like, I was so excited and I was just blown away too. Um, now watching it again and watching it years later, years removed, and all this uh there's it the story doesn't quite feel like as epic as i would have hoped a sequel to final fantasy 7 should feel yeah it's it seems like a a side quest so to speak not it so does much a, yeah a proper sequel to this massive game series yes especially because a lot of the a lot of the characters get so little screen time like oh it's, yeah it's basically just cloud tifa vincent and the turks and everyone else just kind of like makes a cameo appearance oh yeah yeah and uh, that was probably my the biggest problem i had with it because you know as much as i like cloud and tifa like uh, they are not the most interesting characters out of that group of people for me (laughs) 
But I will say along with that lines, I did like um, the presence of the Turks, Reno and Rude. I thought they were, Oh yeah. They were wonderful in this. Um, and I really got kind of a vibe that I, I think it maybe was the, the localization of the translation of the original game that you didn't quite understand what the Turks were supposed to be. But after this came out, uh, a friend of mine had commented on it and she had said that, you know, oh, wow, the Turks are basically the Team Rocket of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> and when she said that, I realized, you know what, that actually makes sense after seeing the movie. <laughs> yeah, it makes total sense, especially with uh, Reno and Rude. <laughs> that scene when they're going, uh, when they're going up against uh, the trio at the end in, um, in Edge and, like, Reno accidentally steps on rude sunglasses and all that. Like <laughs> just like the kind of bumbling around. It it is perfect. And also just how rude just, you know, very nonchalantly reaches into his jacket and pulls out a fresh pair of sunglasses. <laughs> but yeah, I did like that. I've always thought Reno and Rude were a pretty good uh pair. So I, I did like them having uh more to do in this movie. Um the presence of Rufus kind of surprised me because I remember in the lead up to this yeah. game like there were so many rumors and like speculation based on the trailer and one of the things a lot of people thought of was that because they they show rufus he's in this wheelchair and he's wearing like a he's covered with like a, a cloak or something and then mm. uh kadaj is kneeling in front of him so there was a lot of speculation like maybe that's hojo or maybe that's sephiroth or maybe that's um oh yeah <laughs> or you know Genova or lucretia or ev like every single character you could possibly think of i don't think i know of one person who suspected it might be rufus underneath that yeah no like i remember talking to my friends because they were heavily advertising this in shonen jump mm -hmm. before before this came out and during this time, I, I was reading this. I'm like, I, I, I don't know who this is. I'm they're, they, they, they kind of clouded it in somewhat mystery. Mm -hmm. And then when the, the lead up that it's Shinra of Rufus Shinra, I was just like, oh, oh, you're alive. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It was kind of a surprising thing where I'm just when I was watching, I'm just like, really? It was all that build up, and it it's just Rufus Shinra comes out of nowhere. It just yeah. <laughs> it did feel a little anticlimactic, which it's not really a fault of the the filmmakers because most of that was on the fan side. But but yeah. still, it did, it did feel a little anticlimactic. I remember. All right, uh, now let's see. What are some uh, specific things that you really liked about about this movie? So, I really did like Kadage. Like one of my favorite things was his characterization in this movie. And a lot of it comes from that final fight scene also. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that final fight scene actually won me over. The first, I remember the first time I watched that and when he pulls out his sword, that just quick draw and lunge into action was just so amazing. You never saw like a, a dueled katana like his that he mm -hmm. had. And I was like, oh, that's, that, that is really, really good. And you don't know. And then when they, they broke it down for him saying, oh, he's just like Sephiroth's larval form kind of thing. I'm like, I guess I could see that. And him wanting to be re reunited with mother. I'm using mm -hmm. quotations there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, just, I also, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Keep, I thought you were, keep going. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry about that. And just like at the end when he hears Eris's voice 
just and fades in the way was just like the most touching thing on mm-hmm. in, in my point of view for for his end so to speak yeah I, I agree with a lot of that especially that that fight scene when they're when they're racing around on the on the highways and they're fighting with their oh, swords. Yeah. like that was that was just some amazing stuff to watch and just like the I can see why it took so long to make this movie because it, that was some really hardcore CGI animation work that they were doing there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like Kadaj too. Uh, I did think it was, it was interesting because they, when you watch them, the three of them, they are kind of like bickering kids. Oh yeah. <laughs> so especially the whole thing with um, Laz and Yazoo about like, don't cry and back and forth. And, <laughs> yeah. And I did like that moment where he's like, he's like, no, it, he's like, I'm not crying. He's like on the phone with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that scene also when she, when he faces off against Tifa, they find a, la- a way to work in little references to the game. So after she beats um, Laz and then, you know, Marlene's running up to her, hug her. And then they hear the battle, the, the victory theme from the game. And they're both looking around confused. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. find out it's actually from his phone. Yeah, but that's like a total like fan like moment. Thing. Yeah, Just, yeah. Especially when the the battle music kind of winds down from that bo- beautiful piano score that they were doing for it mm-hmm. into the ba- the victory theme. I was just like, oh my goodness, this is this is amazing. Yeah, and just to yeah. find out that it, it's a ringtone. <laughs> this was also the the this was also the point when I realized just how much of a a badass Tifa is because. You know, yeah, she's a she's got really good uh, skills in the in the game and everything, but it's not really it's hard to convey it in a game like that. So you don't really oh, get yeah. the get the sense of just how good she is. But seeing her when she goes up against Laws in this move movie and like when she pulls on her gloves, like you're just you're just like, oh yeah, shit's about to go down now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh. And I also like the I like the use of how they figured out how to work the materia in this because that's also something else that I always kind of wonder like yeah. how do they do that do they do they hold it in their hands as they're using it how how does it exactly work Yeah, because it's beforehand it's not really explained very well of how they quote unquote equip it. I mean they do have the the slots, but if you don't really have those weapon slots. How are you using it kind of thing? And it is a very interesting concept that it literally just sinks in. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was good and it made sense. Um, Although I do wonder what happens if you want to take it out, if it's just popped right out again. Yeah, you just just go on the opposite end and just pop it right out. I guess so, yeah. (laughs) But it did did work and I thought it it made sense. That was... um, and one of the things I liked here is they show the materia is smaller than like if you I'm not sure if you played remake yet. Ah uh, yes yes uh, okay I just came off from a discussion about remake not too oh, long okay. ago. Oh okay okay uh, yeah so in in remake they have in the in the video in the scenes when you look at their weapons you can see the materia in their weapons but then when yes. they're holding the materia it looks much bigger in the, like, oh, the yeah. video scene so I was really kind of confused so I liked in this movie they do show it as being like more like marble size, more of a manageable size. Yeah. 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 It's no bigger than, I want to say a golf ball. Maybe. Yeah. That, if yeah that. Something like that. <laughs> right. Right. And um, what do you think about the, so you've seen, I assume you've also seen the, the English dub then in, in addition to the Japanese one. Oh yes. Yes. Okay. So what, what were your thoughts on the, on the two different voice versions? 
they were very interesting. So during this time too, so the voice acting portion for this happened alongside Kingdom Hearts 2. Mm-hmm. So they were already dead set on who was going to do Cloud, who was going to do Tifa and and everyone else. So everyone else that already had an English voice actor was brought into this. So Yuffie was already in the Kingdom Hearts game. So Christy Carlson Romano was brought in again to mm-hmm. voice Yuffie and same for Eris and things like that, even though she had very little in, in this movie, just mm-hmm. a very handful amount of lines. But it's it's very interesting. I do like the version that we get to hear in Kingdom Hearts 2 for Cloud because he talks so much more in that one than in mm-hmm. in the movie. So I I felt much more akin to him in Kingdom Hearts, actually, mm-hmm. than I did in the actual movie that he was first originally brought on for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was really kind of... Because I, I first watched the, the Japanese subtitled version, so I didn't watch the... Um, and normally, I do prefer watching the the subtitled version over the dubbed version. But oh yes, in in recent years, like there have been some, there's been a, they've been putting a lot more effort into these into these dubs, and you see that with some of the actors they they cast for this. I mean, like you, they had Mina Suvari as Aerith, um, George Newbern who played Superman on Justice League as Sephiroth. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> Rachel Lee Cook uh, as Tifa. And, um, you know, they got Cowboy Bebop guys, like um, Steve Blum did Vincent Valentine and Bo Billingsley did Barrett. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yes. And yeah, so I thought, I, I, I find myself it's it's kind of difficult to choose which one I like better because they both they both have different strengths I feel like. Yeah. So during this time also this is when the whole renaissance boom of English voice actors started to kind of up their ante so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I this was one of the kickoffs for that around around this this time frame about the mid-aughts here mm-hmm. is when they started to have more professionalism with their English voice acting so to speak. With a lot of these games and it's I, I do prefer the Japanese I've like I said I've watched when I first originally watched this movie the handful of times I had it I watched it in English or in Japanese and I mm-hmm. loved loved every minute of it and hearing the English version well I was used to it at a certain point I, like I said the other voices that I liked in Kingdom Hearts because of just more vocal range and more freedom that they were given compared to of what the movie gave yeah 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 I, I agree i think the the japanese version is a little bit better but 
the the English one it it holds up very well and it and it does make for some good competition for it. Yeah, it does. It does. And it's it's a very it's a shame that they had to recast everyone in the in the seven remake. Yeah, I noticed that. I was just looking over the the cast list and seeing that um like pretty much none of them nobody came back for that. Uh yes, supposedly supposedly they wanted to start fresh for mm-hmm. this remake. That's why. But it makes no sense because the Japanese carried over a lot of the <laughs> the same voice actors. Uh, I'm trying to see who did the voice in I'm not sure who did the voice of him in uh so Lance Bass, I know he voiced him a lot. I'm not I'm guessing that he he had he had taken over after this game. I mean after this movie and he had basically started voicing Sephiroth and everything after that. Oh, he voiced him in the first Kingdom Hearts game. Oh, okay. So maybe he just wasn't available for the movie then. Yeah. Okay. And um Yeah, it doesn't yeah, so he didn't do it in um the 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 remake either then. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, what What were your thoughts on Vincent in this movie and how he was portrayed? Because he was always kind of a, a interesting character in the game, um, just because because you knew nothing about him that I think a lot of people ascribed a lot of different whatever they wanted to for him. So, what was kind of your impression? How did he kind of fit into like kind of your image of him from the game? He fit my image until he said, "Where can I buy a cell phone?" <laughs> yeah it's it it's a great joke but i was just like that's not how i thought he was going to be <laughs> mm-hmm. i did think he had maybe one of the best entrances um oh, yeah he did he yeah did. definitely like when he just like appears there's like this red streak and he just um and just, and just shows up and pulls cloud away like that and the way that he does have this almost like supernatural knowledge about everything so i thought he yeah, and I thought um, Steve Blum did a really good job of really kind of differentiating him and oh, yeah. giving him that kind of like otherworldly feel. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, and I, one of the things I did like, even though the other characters didn't get uh, much screen time, they do each get like a little moment with an Easter egg. Oh yeah, and and I did I did like that they threw in that bit of fan service, and so I said Vincent had one of the best entrances, but I think the best entrance was actually Barrett in this. Oh yeah, because <laughs> when you've got you've got Denzel just running up, and you think he's about to get blown away, and then all of a sudden this hand just comes out of nowhere, pulls him back, and it's just like all close up as the hand converts into this massive machine gun. He just starts firing, and then you see it's Barrett <laughs> like that. Yeah. That was a great entrance for him. And also it was, it made sense for him because, you know, I, that's one of the things I thought about when I was watching, when I was playing remake is why don't they keep that thing with his hand changing it from back and forth? Because it, it does make so much more sense. It gives make and it seems like something that would be very much more practical than just having yeah. a big honking <laughs> gun on your arm the whole time. Yeah. But he had that great entrance and you know, they do have a little moment, like, when he calls earlier and he says, like, you know, um, he's like, see you soon, Spiky, and just those little, you do, even though they're just those little moments there, you get the sense that they are, that they do have a friendship there, and I thought that was handled yeah. pretty well. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, and then Yuffie parachuting in and, you know, almost throwing up and then asking, demanding to know where her materia is. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, they they all did the, these great little moments they had in there. And I did love too, after Vincent shows up and Denzel's like, who are they? And Tifa just looks at him. She's like, they're our friends. And he, he gives her this look like, you know some really fucked up people, lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know some weirdos. What in the world's going on here? <laughs> now, uh, I do want to transition from there into um, just talking about some of the things I didn't really care for that don't hold up. And I think one of it is like Denzel. Denzel, he he just doesn't really. I'm not sure. I think I understand. There's more to do with him in the in the complete collection. So how does he yeah. compare in that? So in the complete edition of the movie they gave him a much more bigger backstory Mm -hmm. so pretty much he's a victim of the plate falling his parents got killed from the plate falling and they were supposed to move into this new house and he they actually show a lot of background of them actually meeting cloud at at the church Mm -hmm. so and a lot of the more background characters so like there's this girl with the moogle doll you get to see mm-hmm. a little bit more background about her and how she is suffering through geostigma and all those little bits and pieces here. Mm-hmm. So he's a much more well-rounded, I would say, mm-hmm. <laughs> character in the complete edition compared to the the original where he's kind of just shoved in there. You're not really sure who he is kind of thing. Yeah, like you get the set, you kind of understand why um, Marlene's staying with them because there's that phone call, Barrett leaves the message saying, you know, you know, he's going on, he's doing scouting for oil fields and the like. But, but yeah, it always seems strange. Like, why are Cloud and Tifa taking in this other kid? Yeah, yeah, that, that it seems very, very strange because we were like, who's this kid? Why is he important? And then all the other material that came out after this movie came out that spent a little bit more time developing Denzel's character was mm-hmm. introduced and then somewhat implemented in Evan Children Complete. Okay. And it gives a little bit much more better insight of what his story is and how he connects with Cloud and things like that. Okay. And yeah, it just it seems like Tifa and Cloud feel bad for him because literally the plate falling and his parents dying is right quote unquote their fault right 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 yeah okay um so how do you do you think he's um do you think he's a decent character then based in the in the complete version or is it still like just not enough does he still feel kind of tacked on he still feels kind of tacked on but much more knowledge of his character growth and development is shown in complete i feel like I wish that all that time that they kind of spent with him was spent with the other characters, all the cast that you actually really do know. <laughs> that That's my big thing about it too. Like I, I would have much rather see more of the other characters than see this random new character who doesn't really do anything other than get in the way. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't feel like it really did a whole, especially because... Um, you know, all that backstory was cut out. So it, it it didn't really do a whole lot for Tifa or Cloud's character to be taking this kid in. It just felt like, let's have an orphan in for the sake of having an orphan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that was that was something I had a, I had a bit of a problem with. Um, and uh, I think that's basically it as far as like, those are, that's like the biggest issue I had. Um, well, also, I think the whole... 
the whole thing with the phone and like with it sinking to the bottom of the of the water. Yeah, yeah, I had a I had a bit of an issue of that. <laughs> yeah, like I can understand what they were trying to do with it, but it it also just didn't feel like it really fit together. It didn't feel like they really stuck that landing. It's like you tease you tease Reeve into this movie also, and I'm just like, oh, where is he? he kind of yeah, I figured, never shows I figured, up. Yeah. I figured he would show up at the end also because they've been kind of teasing the home phone call people of him showing up at the end kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And just nothing comes to fruition from that. Well, I guess he just decided to send Kate Sith instead. Yeah, I guess. uh, But yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, because why would he be answering the phone as Kate Sith anyway? So Yeah. (laughs) Um, I also did... No, I didn't notice uh, this last time around watching it, the the different times that you see the wolf in like these dream sequences or whatever, oh, yeah. and yeah. how that's basically like supposed to be Zack's spirit, like still kind of watching over him. Yeah. And I would have liked a little bit more of that. I thought based on the previews, we would have seen a little bit more of kind of cloud reckoning with um, with what happened to Zack. Because you do yeah. see that scene in the in the the beginning when he goes and he sees the the old Buster Sword where it was left, and and he has like the flashback. But so based on the trailer, I thought there would be some kind of reckoning with that, and he would kind of confront that part of his past a little bit more. But it doesn't yeah. really happen. It doesn't happen with the original version. It happens a whole lot more in um, complete. Oh, really? Okay. So so what yeah. happens in complete then? So basically, they do have the talk, uh, the, the the famous truck talk when they're in the back of the truck, mm-hmm. heading back, saying, "What are you gonna do? You know, you're my you're my legacy kind of thing." They do the him dying, him getting shot, and him giving the Buster Sword and saying, "You're you're my living legacy, pretty much." Oh, they, okay. So they do a lot with him in complete, but they literally tease you throughout the movie of his his appearances and and such because it's it's kind of a low ball in my opinion Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean it's nice there's more of it like i I, that makes me very interested in complete just for that extra stuff yes yeah so it's it's actually really good they do a lot more with that and then eris and things like that also Mm -hmm. where they involve a lot more scenes with the interactions in his head about confronting his is his past a lot more and kind of letting go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and I, I've seen, I've, I've read here that uh, apparently one of the things that uh, Nomura wanted to do with this is he didn't want to make it like a, a traditional Western style movie where things are explained very clear. He wanted things to be very open to interpretation. So I guess that's oh, probably yeah. <laughs> why they've got a lot of stuff just happening in his head and they don't really explain a lot of that. Yeah. And a lot of reviewers kind of went went to chops about that that particular way of doing it. I mean, I understand what he was trying to do to some extent, but I think if you do that too much, like you do that for the whole movie, and you're not like David Lynch, then you're you're kind of asking to for trouble. Yeah. So so yeah, I can understand why a lot of people didn't really um, didn't really gravitate towards that. Especially because this was the first movie that any of these people had made. Like they, so ev- all of their knowledge of making movies came from video games. So 
there's yeah. a lot that just kind of doesn't feel maybe that's part of the reason why it doesn't quite feel as cinematic as it should and like why you said mm -hmm. why it feels like more of a side quest then yeah and uh also i was very disappointed as how little attention in particular red 13 got because oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he was one of my favorite characters in the game and to see him basically like he appears and he only says that one line at the end and that's it yeah he he, he appears he howls mm -hmm. and says that one line and that's it <laughs> yeah yeah and apparently that's because of how difficult it was to animate him because he's he's all first so, like the difficulty in animating his fur really drained a lot of resources and to have more of him in there it would have taken like an extra year to do the movie apparently uh, I see, I see. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Now, what did you think of uh, Rufus's kind of conversion um, to, like, to, like, now trying to help the planet as opposed to profiting off it? So that's a good step for his story. And I like the fact that, you know, he is owning up to his sins, so mm -hmm. to speak, of what he did in the past. And he wants to make it a better place. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Kind of thing. And I, I do like that. And I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. it makes sense that you're literally being caused as a terrorist that, that nearly destroyed the world because of your repeated use of uh, carelessness, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I want to kind of fix that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, how, how Do they have more about his... about? like what he, his character growth was in the in the complete edition not really he does a lot of talking with with kadaj more and kind of talks about his about the reunion more in his in the, his scenes with complete it's not really expanded upon as much okay so that that seems like another it seems like there's a lot of missed opportunities in this uh, director's cut because I would have, because um, it seems like most of the focus seems to be on uh, Denzel's backstory. Denzel's backstory, a lot more clearer ways of how Kadaj and his gang was made and just what is Geostigma, what does it do kind of thing. And mm -hmm. mostly the fight scenes got a lot more extended editions okay. also. Okay. So, um, what about the, the geostigma and like, uh, and how they were created? What, what sort of extra details did we get in that? So you see someone pass away from geostigma, but mm. it's, it's like a literal virus that just eats you out and you just kind of barf it out. So to oh, speak, wow, okay. <laughs> so it's, it's actually really surprising because I've only watched complete edition once before. And this was when it came out originally. So mm. you're talking about 11 years ago when it originally came out. And when I saw that, I was just like, oh my goodness, I, I never noticed that, that it actually shows what happened if you have geostigma and they're labeling it as a, a biochemical weapon and they're trying to use certain things saying is Shinra to blame 
for geo stigma mm. because literally it's just a sickness from the planet saying you're that that you're going to get sick from this and mm. a lot of it is just from the live stream and all that okay. it's it's kind of interesting and it just shows different phases and more in depth about what happens when you get it <laughs> okay okay all right uh is there anything else you wanted to mention in particular about this movie anything that we haven't uh, really talked about yet most so coming from my my side of what i usually do for my podcast is the the music the re 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 instrumental versions of certain tracks is just mm. absolutely fantastic and yeah of course yeah the music really does stand out here like especially when sephiroth comes back and the the one-winged angel theme playing over the back. I remember being really impressed by that. Oh, yeah. Just hearing that, and that was Umatsu's, Umatsu Nobu Umatsu's first take on his thing, his side project called the Black Mages, which is mixing rock and classical and all that stuff. And that this was his first track that he, oh, okay. he made. And just a seven-minute heavy guitar riff mm-hmm. of Sephiroth. It's just fan-freaking-tastic. Okay. Yeah. That. Yeah. That. That was an amazing piece. Um, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Sephiroth because I did want to say that I think being able to see him and actually kind of feel his presence, it made me have a lot more respect for him as a as a villain because in the game, like he he's an interesting character. Like he's got a very interesting backstory, but when he actually becomes like the villain of the game. He does feel a bit stereotypical in retrospect. Yeah, he's, he does feel very mustache twirly kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially when like all his dialogue is ha ha ha. Yeah, <laughs> and so it doesn't. It is kind of hard to take him seriously as a as a villainous character, like as an intriguing villain in that game when all of that is text based. So, but what they did here, and I remember both how um, Morikawa and Newburn, both of them, how they play him, is that. They're doing, they're speaking in like this very deep voice and it's got like this very, it's got this, it feels like a very strong presence when he speaks. Yeah. And that really helps. So when, when Kadaj transforms into him, like it's, it, it is kind of like an oh shit moment. Yeah. It's, it's chilling. When I first watched it in Japanese, just hearing, just, it's chilling just hearing that presence come to life was absolutely chilling yeah and that gave me a lot more respect for him as a villain this time around compared to in the game oh yeah like he did kind of have that feel like oh yeah he's a force of nature he's not just a man which i think is what the game was trying to convey but it's hard to tell with all the the localization issues and everything but in this game in this movie they really make you feel that yeah okay uh is there anything else that you think that um we should we should comment on here not not really like if i would highly implore you to try and at least be get to watch the complete edition i would love to hear your take on it honestly Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i have to i'm i was literally just like looking it up on amazon just now to see if i could find it in uh in japan um but I have to do some digging and research and see if it's actually uh, if it's actually a version that has the English um, subtitles or even the dub or if it's just the if it's just the Japanese one. So I have to yeah. see what I can find out. Yeah. So it's it's funny <clears throat> when 
Final Fantasy Remake came out, Seven Remake came out, it was the number one international movie in an, on Amazon because just everyone thought, oh yeah, it must be the sequel to Seven Remake and it shows <laughs> oh. Cloud and Sephiroth there. Yeah, so it's, the, it's I bet that caused funny. a lot of confusion. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's uh, pretty funny after seeing that. I was like, why is effing children so, ranking so high? Do these people not know what's going on? <laughs> Uh, so speaking of that, so um, now we'd like to kind of, you know, just close this out. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on Remake? So it's it's a solid seven, in my opinion. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and that's mostly because there, there is air combat that is a little wonky, that it kind of got to me at the end. And the side quest near the end of the game really mm-hmm. got to me, and it really drawn it up. The, all the way up to when you get to Walmart. Yeah. It's fantastic. Fantastic mm-hmm. game. I loved Walmart. I really do like the Yakuza games. So it just felt like like the Yakuza games, that entire uh, section. Absolutely. Yeah, I was getting a very Yakuza vibe from that section as well. So I, it's a really solid game, and I really can't wait to see where they're going to take the story next now because of what happens at the end. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I going uh, going on remake. Sorry about that. Um, no, it's okay. Go ahead. There is a very small Evan Children nod to this game, and it comes with the final bosses of the Forces of Destiny. So, oh, okay. Each character has a sword, a gun, mm-hmm. and a melee, and they're supposed to recommend um, be Kadaj and his gang. Oh, okay. I never even catch that. That's that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's their nod, so to speak, to Evan Children. Okay. Yeah, I I really like the game too. I am with you on those later side quests. Um, like the after after the plate falls and like you have to do all those side quests, running back and forth from Sector Five and well, like that that got it on, on my nerves. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when but by, by the and then. Like right at the end of it, then they let you get the chocobos <laughs> to speed it along. At that point, I'm oh, like, yeah. you know, you couldn't have given me these like right at the beginning of the. Of the <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but by the time you get it, it's just like I don't really care no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that kind of that kind of dragged on for me. I did like the deep ground stuff they did there because that was something that was never explored in the game. That was something that came. Afterwards. Oh yeah. Um, and just like the, I was I was totally not expecting that ending like what they did. And I was just expecting it was going to be a straight um, remix of Final Fantasy VII. But then like from the moment that Sephiroth appears in Shinra Tower and you realize, oh, this is not at all how it went down last time. Yeah. <laughs> and and then just all the stuff with, with fate and like changing timelines. So it's got me really intrigued for what's going to be happening in the, in the next game, you know, assuming they ever finish it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I think that's about it. Uh, uh, so uh, Ken, can you tell people where people, where they can go to find you if they're interested in checking out your podcast? Yeah. So you can look it on up on Twitter and Instagram at ongakuduyu. We also have a, a website called ongakuduyu.com where I write a lot of reviews and a little bit of news pieces here and there. So if you guys want to check that out and like I said earlier, I do a thing called Music Corner, where we introduce a new artist almost every week. 
And if you guys want to know brand new Japanese artists that isn't really highlighted all too well, go give that a listen. Okay, great. All right, sounds pretty cool. All right, so everybody go um, make sure you look up, and we'll have links to your your Twitter and your Instagram page on the on the Japan on Film website. So if you didn't remember those links, just go to japanonfilm.com. We got a section there for friends of the show where all the all the guests have their their links. You can go there, find anyone you want to check out their stuff, and go and take a look at it. Yeah. All right, uh, Ken, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was great uh, having you on. Um, and it was nice being able to rewatch this movie again. I don't think I've seen it in maybe, you know, at least five years or so. Uh, oh, yeah, same, same. <laughs> it's been years since I rewatched this movie. And especially having, you know, heard about the complete edition now, I'm definitely going to have to try and try and find that. So, so definitely thank you for that. I'll have to keep an eye out for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, most definitely. Okay, all right. That does it for all for uh, this episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. So hope you enjoyed that episode with uh, Ken. Um, as uh, as I mentioned before during the interview, uh, make sure you go check out the Ongaku to You podcast, especially if you have an interest in Japanese music. Uh, it's a great resource for you right there. Uh, Ken also mentioned uh, off the air and in uh, email conversations later that not only is he interested in coming back on the show, but he's spoken to some of his um, his podcast co-hosts, and they're interested as well. So uh, once they reach out to me, hopefully we can get them on the show at some point in the future. All right, so that about does it for this episode. Again, uh, I know this is shorter than usual. I uh, hope you don't mind that. Um, and uh, the next episode, we're going to be talking about Electric Dragon 30,000 or 80,000 volts. And that is also going to be a bit of a shorter episode because it's a very short movie. So um, we've got a few shorter episodes this season, but we also have a few longer ones too. So if you like the longer stuff, I definitely got you covered there. I also want to mention that uh, I, I haven't talked about it in a while, but we do still have a partnership with Audible. So if you go to japanonfilm.com, uh, you can see there's a link for getting a free uh, audi Audible trial and a free audiobook. So uh, you go to audibletrial.com slash japanonfilm, all one word. Uh, you enter in and uh, you can um, start a free trial membership and then that will give you access to a free audiobook and two free Audible originals. You can cancel before your trial is over, and you still get to keep your book. So if you want a free audiobook, that's a good way to do it, and we get a little bit of a, a kickback every time you do that. So uh, please head on over to audibletrial.com slash japanonfilm to get started with that. Uh, I've also got a Patreon page. If you're interested in becoming a subscriber and supporting the show on a regular basis, you can do so through the Patreon page. we got a few different levels there for you to look at. You can find that uh, patreon.com slash japanonfilm. And also, I've now added uh, a donation button for PayPal onto the website. So if you want to just make a small donation, maybe just toss a little bit of cash here, maybe you don't want to commit to a Patreon membership, but you like to show some appreciation, maybe tip a dollar or five dollars or whatever it is, uh, you can go to the Japan on Film website and you can uh, just click the button there and it will take you to a page where you can make a quick donation to the show. And you can make it a recurring donation if you want to. So uh, that's all for now. Thanks again for listening. Uh, take care of yourselves out there and uh, help support the show. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Japan on Film. If you have comments about this episode or suggestions for movies to spotlight in future episodes, you can contact us over at the website, japanonfilm.com. You can also find links to purchase your own copies of the movies discussed on the show at the website. Anytime you purchase through our links, it helps support this show. 
please consider posting a review of Japan on Film to iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.